0: This is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast.
1: This week we find out more about two-time Roland Garros doubles champions Kevin Kravitz and Andreas Mies spend time with another doubles duo looking to make the NITO ATP finals, and Alexander Zverev goes head-to-head with an NBA superstar. But first, we catch up with the newest member of the world's top 10. Andrei Rublev began 2020 in style with stunning back-to-back titles in Doha and Adelaide. It looked then like it might become a breakout season for the Russian, and recently, as his home event in St. Petersburg got underway, ATP Uncovered caught up with him and his coach Fernando Vicente.
2: I was not trying <laughs> trying to find something. I mean, the yeah, beginning of the year was really good, great for me. I was lucky, really lucky to start on a great level. Oh,
3: I mean, Rublev revs his forehand. Everybody on involved on the team was so pumped because he worked so good, he improved. And, uh, I mean, he won Moscow. He won Doha and Adelaide.
4: it's yeah. the perfect yeah. start to the new seven, year six. for Andrei Rublev. He claims his third ATP singles title.
3: a wide smile, and there was a wide gulf between these two players out there today. So it's a good, de- good end and good start, and we really expect good things for this year.
4: As for so many, lockdown created its challenges, raising the question, could Rublev return to his early season form?
2: When I come to America, I mean, I was just, thinking let's play match by match, let's play tournament by tournament and I remember Cincinnati, I played first round Evans, and I was like, it's a good challenge for me to see my level.
1: Oh, absolutely brilliant.
2: To have a gr- great guy in the first round before Grand-, Grand Slam, he was playing that match really well and he beat me.
1: Victory for Dan Evans.
2: Then uh, it was US Open. I was like, okay, let's do the same. Let's play match by match, but uh, a little bit um, more free, like in a way. Because in Cincinnati, I was really tight after five months, my first match, and uh, so I tried to do it, and in the end, went in a good way for me because I was practicing really good before Cincinnati, so the level I had good level on practices, and I feel it. So I, w- I knew that the level is there. It just depends if I can uh, transfer it on a match or not. And then uh, during the US Open, match by match, I was playing better and better. And better. of course, uh, these two weeks were amazing for me. I mean, I beat great players, tough matches. Uh, I, w- I did my second quarter final, so of course I'm really happy. And yeah, I, I was missing this. He won that point.
4: Coming back so strongly, the key was now to remain focused. Ranking points coming second to the need to keep on working.
3: There's no doubt for Rublev, the sky is the limit. When we start every season, I convince him that the points that you have to defend is not important every, every year. You have to start going like everybody. You have to try to do as best you can. And the ranking, we, Andre started really good at the beginning at, after this break, so everything changed. And uh, No, he's more focused about on his tennis to win matches and uh, he don't really have a, a goal specific, but it's, I, I know his goal is high and he's working for that.
4: From the US, Andre headed to the clay in Europe, hoping to find further success and adjust quickly to the new surface. Something easier said than done.
2: We'll see for the moment, I don't feel one ball on clay, I don't understand how to move, I don't understand how to put two balls inside the court, so we'll see, it's gonna be fun. For sure, I will not bring my best game, but I hope I will be, it will be enough to compete, to have chances to win, to fight for the victory, so we'll see.
4: Yet again, the Russian was able to find his feet quickly. A superb run in Hamburg saw Rublev capture his first ATP 500 title.
2: The match was... what a thriller. I mean, Stefanos is one of the best players right now. He wins so many tournaments. I mean, I was going on court with, uh, with a, like, uh, no fear. I mean, he was a favourite, I had nothing to lose. And the uh, match was uh, such a thriller. It's an amazing feeling. Uh, I don't know what to say. I, I realise it. Only when uh, they call double fault and I didn't realise it yet. And then a few seconds later I start to realise that it's over, that I won. I mean, it's an amazing feeling. I'm, I'm, I'm happy.
4: What
3: more could 2020 hold for Rublev and his team? I think he, in his mind he, he wants to go up uh, as much as he can, you know? So he's thinking to be a really champion. He knows it's really tough, he knows that there's a lot of players around improving. And, uh, but in his mind, I think he's looking for that.
1: And it was another good run in St. Petersburg this week that took Rublev all the way to the title.
2: This one is really, is really special for me. I think this one is the most special for me for the moment. And uh, will be always special, so we'll see what's going to happen later. Now is I don't know, I want to enjoy a little bit, and then it's going to be the last two, three tournaments that I want to give my best, and then we'll see what's going to happen. There is
1: so much love for you here, so much support. To win it at home,
5: that must be one of the best wins of your career.
2: Yeah, it's for sure. I mean, first of all, I'm at home. It's a home crowd, so I was, it's a special tournament for me. Also because on Friday I lost my grandma, so I was coming here really, I don't know, it was tough. And I'm really happy that this is the way I finished the tournament. And uh, it's a really special moment for me. One of the most specials in my life for the moment.
1: We've all been amazed at how much you've come on in the last year or so. You are taking the tennis world by storm. How proud are you performances?
2: I mean, of course I'm proud and I'm happy the way I'm performing but I don't know I try I try to don't think about it I try to still focus on the things that I need to improve because there is so many so many things that I can improve and I have to improve if I want to be at the same level or even better so it's uh, I mean the time is running out and uh, I need really really to work hard now so you're in great
1: shape for London now are you looking towards that and do you feel you're almost there
2: Uh, I mean I know that now after this tournament my chances are really high, but still, I'm trying to don't think about it. Uh, still, uh, if I make it, then it's perfect. I mean, uh, I will go and I will try to do my best there. If not, nothing changed because this year, as I said before, I didn't even expect that I'm going to have chance to be there. So we'll see. If I don't make it, nothing going to change. If I make it, then perfect. I will do my best there.
3: This is the
0: ATP Tennis Radio podcast. It's a set-all and you are about to play the deciding third set. Would you rather be the player who won the first set or the second? An Infosys ATP Beyond the Numbers analysis of three set matches on the ATP tour identifies that the winner of the second set is more likely to win the third. Japanese star Kei Nishikuri leads the pack. Winning an impressive 76.5% of matches throughout his career after dropping the opening set before bouncing back to win set two and then the match.
4: Keina Shikori is into a fourth Masters 1000 final of his career. A first here in Monte Carlo. Both guys out on their feet.
0: The dataset is comprised of 166 players who have played a minimum of 50 three set matches in either category since 1991, when official statistics in tennis were first recorded. Nishikuri was the only player in the dataset to win greater than three out of four matches after winning set two in a three set encounter, leading an impressive list of the best in this category. Players generally fell into three subsets. Those who carried the momentum of winning set two into the third set.
6: It's a hard-fought victory. It's the
4: fourth time this season that he's got the better of the Spaniards
1: in a deciding set. And he improves his record when he has
0: been taking
1: the distance.
0: Those who successfully fought back after dropping the second set.
1: He's done it. I mean, can you believe it? What a victory for Nishikori. He can hardly believe it. He can hardly make it to the net.
0: And lastly, players who performed about the same, whichever of the first two sets they won. Nishikori falls into the last group as he also finished fourth best winning the match after winning set one but dropping set two. The top players in his category are another all-star cast. The three-set journey to victory can travel along different roads, but if you drop the first set, And get an early break in the second. You've got to feel good about the path you're on. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast.
1: Kevin Kravitz and Andreas Mies obviously know each other extremely well on court. Especially a clay court. Having followed up their shock win last year with a successful doubles title defence... Roland Garros but how well do they know each other off the court that was the question Vasek Pospisil was clearly trying to answer on a recent edition of Tennis United
7: we're gonna jump into a little game so we're gonna ask very personal questions to find out which one of you knows the other person the best all questions directed to you will be about Kevin and vice versa, and we'll see how well you two know each other. All right, guys. So the first question, what is your partner's birthday?
8: Oh, my God. That's that's a tough one to start with. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I hope you guys are still friends after this. Oh, my God. So We I
6: had,
7: just
8: you just celebrated been... your birthday. <laughs> we celebrated it. A... <laughs> It's unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> I was. It's good to remember now. Okay, okay. I remember we celebrated. I was thinking, did we celebrate his birthday? Yeah, we did it in Australia. So his birthday is in uh, January. Correct. Eighteenth uh, January. Pretty close. Twenty fourth. Kevin. Do we celebrate it also together in the USA? We celebrate, I say uh, week of Winston Salem. That would be
7: August, I believe. 22, 22nd. Wow, that was so close. 21st, oh. wow. Oh, 21st. What is your partner's favorite TV show?
8: Blacklist.
7: Oh, Blacklist is a good one. So Kevin, what is what is Andy's favorite TV show?
8: I have no clue, actually. I, maybe I can't remember or Andy has no favorite TV show. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. Um, I don't watch that much TV. I don't really have a favorite TV show, to be honest. What is your partner's go to cheat food? Classic burger. Yes, that's right. I love to eat burgers. Kevin's favorite cheat food is uh, it's spare ribs. Delicious. I didn't know it's a cheat food. I <laughs> that's,
7: that's, <laughs> just his,
8: that's his breakfast. He's had, <laughs> that's his pre,
7: pre- match meal. He's like, that's a cheat food?
8: I thought it's very healthy. I mean,
7: <laughs> what is your, the favorite shot of your partner on the tennis
8: court? I think Kevin's favorite shot is his serve. Yeah. And then Andy's favorite shot? If you call it a shot, I go for a reaction. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What is your partner's middle name? I would have to take a guess. I think Kevin's middle name is Manuel. <laughs> that's a good guess. <laughs> no, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not right. Mr. Meese, my middle name is uh, Philip. Okay, Kevin, what's what's Andy's middle name? Oh, I'm not sure, but I my guess is no middle name. No middle name. That's true, I don't have a middle name. I couldn't afford it, you know, one name was <laughs> expensive <laughs> your enough. Parents are, your parents were just trying
7: to save a bit of money on the passport yeah, exactly. the printing. Yeah. <laughs>
8: Tough with three siblings at home, you know, you can't afford
7: it. Okay, guys, last question. Guess your partner's career high doubles ranking.
8: And his career high is eight. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, because it's it was recently that we uh, uh, broke into the top ten after uh, making the semis of Par- Paris-Bercy at the Masters 1000, and Kevin's career high is uh, number seven. Oh, I got you. Unfortunately, one one above me. <laughs> we, we were supposed to have the same ranking, and then we said no. Let's take a break. It was a long season, you know. And then he played with somebody else. You know? <laughs> <laughs>
7: All right, guys, well, that was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining. Thanks for uh, playing the game. Hope to see you back on Tennis United, guys.
8: Thanks, Lothar. Thanks for having us.
1: Tennis United was a whole lot of fun to watch during lockdown, and you can still check out all the episodes on the ATP YouTube channel. Plenty more to come as Alexander Zverev pits his wits against the NBA's finest. But first, we're sticking with doubles and two Brits hoping to book their place at the
4: NITO ATP Finals. The British doubles team of Jamie Murray and Neil Skupski returned to match action with a fine run stateside this summer. Impressive, considering that not long ago, the pair were having to train apart.
9: Yeah, I think lockdown, me and Jamie weren't together. Uh, we lived four hours apart, so it was tough to like train after, after lockdown finished. Um, but we're doing Zoom calls. We're doing, uh, trying to stay as fit and healthy as possible.
10: Thanks for the nomination, Jamie those 13 press-ups just for you? Well, I mean, obviously at the beginning, I mean, we couldn't practice, so we probably didn't play for like almost nine weeks, I think, um, so it was kind of like just at home, doing like physical training and stuff when I when I could, which was fine, actually, it was, was good. It was, it was the first time really ever kind of had that much time in a row to really sort of dedicate to it. So I actually quite enjoyed that part of it. And, was quite just enjoying being at home for quite an extended period of time for once.
9: I was by myself pretty much, um, trying to work on a few things, a few little things in my game that I could improve, and I think I've done done well. Uh, I have tried to lose a little bit of weight as well, which also helps on the on the tennis court, try and move around the court a little bit quicker. Um, but yeah, once lockdown finished, um, I was able to get down to London, play part of the Brits with Jamie because I hadn't we hadn't played together since. I think it was. Dubai, so it was a pretty long time.
10: It was fine, I mean, we really had quite a bit of training time after that, before, you know, tournaments uh, tournament started, so it was kind of able to, you know, try to work on a few things. Um, we had a couple of events going on as well, which gave uh, a lot of the players match practice and stuff, which I think was quite, quite important before getting back on the, on the main tour.
4: And with the return to the ATP tour, the Brits headed to the US early to reconnect and evaluate as a team preparing for competitive tennis
9: to resume. We had gone to Connecticut uh, before Cincinnati just to do like uh, a week's training beforehand. I think that really helped, um, kind of brought us back together, um, the team environment with our coach, um, Alan McDonald. But yeah, it was, it was good to get out there early. Um, we we, we enjoy playing in, in, in America, the, the hardcore suit us, suit our game. Uh, I went to university in America, Louisiana State University. So I'm used to the conditions, um, and we did well there last year. Um, So it was nice to go back. It's always nice to go back to somewhere where you've done well in the past.
10: We got to New York really early. We probably had about ten days of practice before the the event started. Um, So we were able to kind of spend quite a lot of time together, kind of work on a few things that um, was. Probably needed to kind of address when the season finished in uh, in March um, and yeah I think we had different sort of different energy about the team and stuff I think we, we played quite a lot of good tennis that week um, came through some close matches as well which always helped we lost a lot of tie breaks at the start of the year as well which kind of never really gave us much uh, much momentum but uh, yeah I think you know to, for the first tournaments back to to go there and play eight matches, I think, was, um, was a big success for us.
9: We had a good run. Um, we made the final Cincinnati in Cincinnati and the quarterfinals of the US Open, so um, we'll take that go forward and hopefully we can build on it.
4: Both men are hoping to build on that momentum and reach their goal of making the season-ending NITO ATP finals. And in the last year of the tournament being held in London, there's added motivation for the British pair.
9: At you know, the start of the year, that was one of our main goals. Um, but luckily enough, like the ATP and like the ITF, they've been able to put tournaments on, so we can um, go forward, um, try and get as many points as possible before London.
10: You know, after the last event, especially Cincinnati, I mean, we obviously given ourselves, you know, a chance to to qualify or put ourselves in the running. I mean, I'm sure it will obviously be extremely tight this year because obviously so few tournaments and you know, now all the tournaments crammed crammed together. Um, I imagine that, you know, a lot of the teams will play, you know, most weeks until the end of the year to try to qualify. And, you know, I think that was our goal at the start of the season was to, to try to make, uh, make the O2, especially being in London, and it's the last year there as well.
9: We're looking forward to it. I've never actually qualified for the, the O2 Masters, but like Jamie's done in the past, so we'll try and use his experience leading up to that and hopefully we can qualify.
10: As you know, being, being Brits, I'm sure it'll be different than other years, but uh, you know, this year is different to any other year that, that I've been on this planet for.
1: It was another fantastic week for Alexander Zverev on home soil in Cologne. The 23 year old German added a 12th career title, a first of 2020, but away from the court, he was tested in an altogether different way, head to head with former NBA champion Dirk. Nowitzki.
6: Hey Alex, I'm excited about this. We have a little quiz today. Let's get right into it. i played for Dallas my entire 21 year career, but who was I initially drafted by? The Chicago Bulls, the Milwaukee Bucks. You don't Bucks, even need
5: to give me the option. I know. Or the annoyed. Brooklyn Nets. Okay, let's see. Uh, the hear. Milwaukee Bucks. All right.
6: Milwaukee. You did some research. You're cheating.
5: (laughs) No, I didn't do any research. I followed your career a little
6: bit, even though it
5: started before I was born. But let's go straight into basketball, because I love basketball myself. Two of my favorite, you know, Mavs players of all time. Of course, you're number one, but the rest, Steve Nash and Luka Doncic. Height-wise, what do you think where I am at? Am I shorter than both of them? Am I taller than both of them? Or am I right in between?
6: Wow. You're right in the middle.
5: I'm one inch shorter than Luca. I'm 6'6", six, six, uh, he's
6: 6'7". What year was I named overall NBA MVP? 2007, 2009, or 2011? I remember that because you guys played the, uh, the
5: NBA Finals in 2006 against the Miami Heat. And you guys were kind of favorites in that final, I would say. Um, and you, after that, I think you were a little bit upset that you guys lost that. I think you had a, like a revenge season in 2007 and you, yeah, you won the MVP in 2007. You were the best player wow. in the world. By then.
6: Well done, that is true. 06, 07 season.
5: 2018, I won uh, the World Tour Finals in London. But which legendary player did I beat in the final? Was it Federer, was it Nadal or was it Djokovic?
6: Wow, that's a tough one. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, I'd say the final was was Nadal. Mm. What was no. it, Choco? It, it was, was, Choco. It was Joker. Oh, Joker. I and I lost
5: to him in the group stages, actually. I lost to him oh. in the group stages easily, and then I beat him in the final, yeah. I broke into the top ten in 2017 at the age of 20. But what was my career high ranking in that same year?
6: I'd say it was three. It was three, correct. <laughs> I went pretty quickly. Like you, my parents were also professional athletes. My mom played basketball, but what did my dad play? Handball, football, or volleyball?
5: Your dad played handball. You're crushing it. Which team competition are you gonna see the top players, including me in 2021, played at the Boston Garden? The Labor Cup, Correct. yeah, and I remember yeah. I
6: was watching uh, because the year, the, the year in Chicago looked amazing. Uh, the atmosphere yeah, was, was great. How many years was I an NBA All-Star? 10 times, 12 times, or 14 times?
5: 14 times.
6: Uh, see, you did your but research, only you man. See,
5: There was only a few seasons <laughs> where you were not an All-Star.
6: When I played growing up, who was the player ranked number one in my age group at the time? Was it Rainer Schüttler, Tommy Haas, or Boris Becker?
5: So it has to be Tommy. Tommy is about 40 now, it's 41, 40. So it has to be Tommy yeah. Haas. I'm guessing. It, it was Tommy. Yeah.
6: You got all the questions right, so I don't, I can't even tie you anymore. But fire it out, anyways. Your last one.
5: Every time I come to Germany, I have to have one thing. Which one is it? Uh, it's a favorite food. Is it the German bratwurst? <laughs> is it the is it the drink Apfelschorle or is it the Wiener Schnitzel, which is actually not really German?
6: Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I don't think it's the Wiener Schnitzel. So, is it the Bratwurst or is it, it Apfelschorle? It's it the Bratwurst. No,
5: it's it's the Bratwurst. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't know. There's no there's no there's no sausage like you know kind of sausage anywhere else, else in the world. world?
6: Yeah, it's uh, just you have to have it. Okay, Alex, I give it to you. You are the champ this time around. Dirt, that was great. Thanks for the time today.
1: That is Sasha Zverev, whose serve percentages have improved off the charts recently, and that's been a welcome and needed improvement according to the latest Emphasis stats analysis.
4: Comparing first and second serve performance is fundamentally an apples to oranges comparison. First serve points one only includes first serves that land in, while second serve points one includes serves that land in and out. If you exclude double faults and only count second serves that land in, it reveals yet another strength to the game of world number one, Novak Djokovic. An emphasis ATP beyond the numbers analysis of the top 10 from the 2019 season on hard courts Sees Djokovic leading the elite group of players with a lofty 66.4% points won from second serves made.
1: That was near from Novak Djokovic.
4: The other three players to all post above the 60% threshold were Rafael Nadal. Roger Federer and Daniil Medvedev. When you include double faults when examining second serves, Alexander Zverev sits in 10th place in this list at 46.4%. 203 double faults heavily weigh down his win percentage. Just as we were talking about the, the double faults, he starts off with one. But with double faults removed, Zverev's second serve flourishes. Game. The defending champion is firing on all cylinders this evening. That was a sensational set of tennis. He moves all the way up to fifth place in the grouping of top ten players. The list, including second serve performance with and without double faults, shows some interesting results. This new metric provides a more focused way to evaluate second serve performance. Zverev's second serve offers a healthy win percentage of 59.1% without the double faults. It's not universally his second serve and the shots that immediately follow that need improvement. It's simply getting more second serves in the court.
5: Is continues Five to dominate
4: teams in teams the teams early teams stages teams. here. Please. Also interesting to see is that Dominic Team, Gael Monfils and Stefano Tsitsipas are all grouped together closely in the 58 percentile range of second serves made win percentage. Matteo Berrettini and David Goffin aren't far behind. Second serve performance and double faults were an influential factor in deciding the 2019 Western and Southern Open final between Medvedev and Goffan. Medvedev won 7-6-6-4, winning 63% of second serve points, while yielding just one double fault.
1: The mindset of Medvedev has been absolutely stellar.
4: Goffin committed seven double faults in the final, winning just 44% of second-serve points. Juice. If you subtract double faults from both players, Medvedev won 65% of second-serve points and Goffan won a healthy 55%. By having a double fault filter on second serves, you identify that Goffin's second-serve woes didn't occur when he hit it in. The problem was not hitting it in enough. As ever, the data shines an intriguing spotlight on where the best players could get even better.
1: That is it for this week. We're on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Amazon Music. Don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe, rate and review the show. We'll be back next week. For now, from me, Seb Lozier, thanks for listening. Enjoy the tennis.